listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. Cover me when I walk alone. Cover me when my stance, it stumbles home. Cover me. We'll trip on through the sands of time and cover me, because I've been branded. And welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where we talk rock and roll all night and podcast every day. We are your hosts, John Otney. And Colin Westman. And today we're talking about album covers, album art. Colin, art. Good? Bad? Great. Great. I spent four years at art school and I'm still paying off student loans, so it must be great. But yeah, it's all about making the big bucks. The things you spend money on are always great because money is great. <laughs> so, so why are we talking about album covers? I don't know because we t- we mentioned it on our last podcast and we were like, hey, that'd be a pretty good idea. That's usually how our ideas for <laughs> during another episode for rock talks yeah. kind of uh, come about. We just think of them in the, our previous episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's something I don't really think about too often because not all of my favorite albums have my favorite artwork or vice versa. And also, we mentioned how it would be funny to talk about a few album covers that are terrible by good artists because that's an interesting thing because, like, how does that happen? It's like, (laughs) you make good music. Why did you come out with such a terrible album cover? Was it something that had to do with the era that it came out in? Or were they super high? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And and this is... I don't know. I feel like that can be kind of hard to even, uh, I don't know, think about. Because sometimes you love an album so much that you you kind of grow so used to the cover and you kind of fall in love with the cover just because you like the music on it so much. And so sometimes it's hard to like <laughs> separate the two. But I think, yeah, I think sometimes you can, if an album cover is that bad, <laughs> you can objectively look at it like that. I wonder, did you have a process for picking your favorite album covers? Uh, yeah, I just went to the album sections of my uh, iTunes and just flipped all the way down through every single cover, and whatever one stuck out to me, <laughs> I just like wrote it down and checked it off. I started there too, but you know, it's funny because we were talking about like, oh, you know, you you so associate these albums with the music and everything, but it's like. Some of them, like, I've just seen them too many times. Like, I needed to revisit yeah. some albums that's like, oh, I haven't looked at that one in a while. <laughs> that's a cool album cover. I definitely picked a lot through um, from my iTunes, though. I kind of have an eclectic mix. Um, not necessarily, these aren't necessarily, like, the best albums. <laughs> but trust me, these are all uh, interesting from an artistic standpoint. I think they're all good albums. I don't think I picked any bad ones. Yeah, I think you may have chosen more obscure ones than me because some of them for me are just like some of my favorite albums of all time. And like, I don't know, I just love them. (laughs) I don't want to jump ahead. And I love the art too. It's it's just a part of it. So yeah, it was was just hard for me to separate that. But we'll see. (laughs) I don't want to jump ahead too much, but off podcast, you said that you gravitated more towards photos. Do you think that was in Maybe, maybe not. I Is think it a mix? so. I mean, I, I didn't really think about it. It was kind of just whatever images stood out to me and whatever. Yeah, if it was just an image that kind of matched the music well, usually it also helped too. Because, um, yeah, I mean, certain albums have like a certain mood that they're going for. And you, I'm 
sure every artist thinks like I need an, an album cover that's representative of the music. Um, and I think, uh, you know, an album cover that sticks with you is usually because it matches the music so well. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's just, let's just get right into it. So if you're listening to this, if you can, I would definitely recommend trying to look these up yeah, as we go along. I would recommend it's a very visual uh, podcast. Yeah, you should do it at home while like in front of a laptop, which yeah. I know is not the most ideal way to listen to something. <laughs> That's why you listen to this one. Yeah, just this particular one. But, you know, maybe these album covers are iconic enough that you know them if you're a rock fan or will describe them well enough that you can <laughs> visualize it if you haven't seen this album cover before. I don't know. I we'll remember see. a past podcast where you were describing a Janet Jackson album cover to me, and I was kind of piecing it together, <laughs> but I hadn't seen it in many years. Was that, that Control? Was, it was she Control. Just like that is a great still. album cover, too. Yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm definitely going to open each one of these and stare at each and every one as I go along. I'm not going to try to go off memory, even though I know them all pretty well. Okay. And I don't have a lot to say about some of them, so I won't drag it out too much. Uh, I'll start with my number 10. It's uh, kind of a weird one because it kind of never came out. Mm. It's the uh, original artwork that was commissioned for Smile, the Beach Boys. It's the uh, storefront. It's like a childish cartoon drawing. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading that it was... Uh, kind of unique at the time to commission artwork for an album that hadn't come out yet you know usually that's something that's like the last thing you do but brian wilson got so deep into this and what was his name van park van dyke park van dyke parks like they were they they had like this whole vision for what this thing was going to be like this was going to come with a 12 page booklet with all these illustrations and colorful photos and the artist's name was frank holmes and he described smile is going to be like a musical cartoon and i think they finally did come out with some sort of release that had this cover like a box set i don't know if you check that out or know anything about that yeah i mean they i don't know much about like how they compiled that smile release that finally came out where it like sounds exactly how i feel like the album should sound because it's compiled of all the stuff they recorded in the 60s and i yeah they use that same cover as far as i know you know what's so funny before this came out and i got really heavy to the beach boys like what was it 2011 or 10 i went all over the internet and tried to get like each and every track because they had like the original like track list like on like wikipedia or whatever like written everywhere like this is what it was supposed to be so i went and got all those tracks and i put them in the right order and then when this release finally came out, it sounded exactly like what I already had. Like they, it's like they didn't have any better demos than the ones that I could already find, which was crazy. But I still really love this um, album, and I think this artwork really kind of sums up the sunniness and the cheeriness of the Beach Boys. And even though this didn't technically kind of come out, I'd still say it's like probably their second best album, even <laughs> even incomplete and weird. With all the demos all over the place, I think it's still an awesome album. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never really got into that. Uh, Brian Wilson like went off on his own and like kind of did Smile again in the early two thousands. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean that was the version I kind of first heard was when that came out, and I liked it even though it, I feel like it's a little slick compared to the. I think that's the thing for the me. The original it's, it's fine, one. but. 
it's a little too polished. I like I like the retro sounds and the old '60s equipment. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, when that that, that uh, newer release with the old recordings came out, I was like, oh yeah, this is like that <laughs> Brian Wilson version, but it's just better because it has the Wilson Brothers harmonies on it, and it's just it's great. Yeah. Interesting thing about that album cover, they kept the same font, but they didn't use any of this artwork. I don't know why. Yeah, they like that font though. It's a good font. It's it's, it's very much like a '60s Hanna Barbera cartoon font. Yep. All right, Colin, your number ten. Uh, my number ten is actually dumb. I haven't listened to that much, but it's just really striking to me. Uh, it's the Payback by James Brown. It uh, I guess it's interesting because. It looks like the cover of a black exploitation movie, <laughs> and it, the music for it was originally supposed to be like to score a black exploitation movie called Hell Up in Harlem, oh, cool. directed by Larry Cohen. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I guess supposedly it was rejected for not being funky enough. I'm just reading Wikipedia right yeah, now, yeah, but fine. but Larry Cohen has disputed that. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really evocative cover of like, <laughs> I don't know. You, you could just imagine James Brown playing some sort of like drug dealer, like trying to trying to go straight or something. <laughs> and there's these weird like phantom Afro ladies on it too. It's just it's just a really cool painting that. Yeah, it looks like it should be a movie. <laughs> it's funny. I've never seen his album cover before, so I'm just going off my first impression. It kind of. I think it's because of the like autumn like shade color palette they used mm-hmm. my first like reaction was that he looks like a pilgrim <laughs> i don't think i think that is more of like a cool like i'm a pimp or something hat yeah but i kind of saw it as a pilgrim hat it is because he has like the <laughs> hair in the back that kind of like yeah he's got like some weird quaker hairstyle or something yeah and then it looks like there's like hands passing notes and there's like a magical tree. And then there's the naked woman. I It's so hard to piece together a it narrative is. for me there. <laughs> and then like the payback because it looks like inspirational. It doesn't look like tough. Hmm. So can James Brown act? <laughs> no idea. Oh, man. Uh, this looks cool, though. But I'd like to see this movie. Is the the pimp pilgrim? <laughs> so what's the music like then? Is it pretty straightforward, James Brown? I feel like it's a little more kind. Of, I mean, I I think it it kind of sounds a little more uh, black exploitationy in that it has like more strings and it's a it's a little softer. It's not like the hard funk sound James Brown was doing at the time. Okay. I always find it so odd when they the albums for these black exploitation movies always went like all out and were like always really cool. Mm-hmm. But the movies themselves are always like the cheapest looking things you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean Shaft looks okay, but like it's nothing compared to the amazing soundtrack. <laughs> I haven't actually seen Superfly, but I've heard that like it pales in comparison to how good the music is. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Maybe all we need is this is this music. Maybe we don't need this movie. Yeah, maybe they just should have made <laughs> album covers like this for <laughs> those guys' music, and that would have been enough. I really got to get into more James Brown, Colin. Real talk, where do you start with James Brown? Uh, it's, it's a Star Time box set. Star Time box set. Also, Live at the Apollo is good, but it's like it's more his R&B stage. If you want the funk, I, I would even just say like, Listen to disc two and three of the Star Time box set. If you if you just want the funky stuff, like that, those two discs are like perfect. 
Excellent. What about the Rocky Four soundtrack? I don't I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> he was in that. Yeah, he was. I don't know if he was really acting. He's kind of just performing <laughs> as James Brown on stage. Yeah, I'm taking a look. The soundtrack does not look that good. It's funny. It has Eye of the Tiger, which was the theme of the third movie, which is hmm. interesting. I guess they just had to bring it back. It was that good. Uh, but James Brown, he's the man. Okay. My... No transition. <laughs> okay, so my next, my number nine is a band that I've always kind of more of jokingly liked, but I do like. But I, they're not someone, I, they're not a band I listen to a lot. And that is the debut album from Molly Hatchett's Molly Hatchett, self titled 1978, if you want to look that up. Um, I'm, I just want to let you soak in the image before I talk about it a little bit. All right, I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay. It is a man, maybe, or demon, on a horse with the, a bloody axe and a huge fucking shield who just looks like he wants to kill everything. <laughs> or maybe already has killed everything. I mean, it's bloody. He's it obviously looks, already been working. It looks like a definite scorched earth scenario. <laughs> so before I talk about the music on this album, let me talk about the artist. So this is by Frank Frazetta, who was pretty famous in the 60s and 70s for a lot of paintings like this like bloody ripped barbarian dudes he did some pretty famous conan the barbarian artwork in the 60s that you know is just like worshipped in the dungeons and dragons <laughs> community just this really cool manly stuff he did the poster for what's that um ralph bakshi movie like uh, fire and ice so he did some cool like like tough guy uh, fantasy posters you know his whole thing was like making fantasy like cool as opposed to just like eh, nanian hobbits is <laughs> like ripped long hair warrior dudes basically mm-hmm. um so what's interesting is uh molly hatchet uh who are not a metal band they are a southern redneck rock band uh, much like leonard skinnerd and um like uh, is it 38 special like they all came from around the same region the same kind of i think jacksonville florida was the scene mm. uh i don't know why they gravitated towards uh frank rosetta because they used his artwork for a couple albums actually this wasn't for this album this is a piece um from earlier in the 70s the name of the painting is The Death Dealer. <laughs> it has its own Wikipedia. This picture wow. has its own Wikipedia. There's been people that like this so much they built it into a statue. <laughs> uh, and it's badass. Um, but yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about the music. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I have this weird soft spot for that weird, like, southern rock of the late 70s. Because... I mean, it's got, like, really good musicianship, but it's, like, I'm sure these guys are, like, just big redneck assholes, right? Yeah, I really don't have much interest in this music. Like, I kind of like the two 38 special songs that are famous, but, like, I don't, I don't know if I really the need to listen to Bolly Hatchet. I guess I like that one song, Flirting with Disaster. I think one thing is I appreciate the excess. Like, all these bands always have, like, two guitarists, two drummers, it just like more of everything, and the guitar work is so sweet on this album. I was I was talking to you the other day about this a song on this album called Gator Country, which is kind of like Florida is the best fucking place there is, and there's even like a line about how like Leonard Skinner sings about Sweet Home Alabama. It's like, but no, we'll take Florida, okay? But it's like it's not like Leonard Skinner is like disowning Florida. They're from there. They're just but it's, you can't even mention another place. 
and there's like a sweet song here called Bounty Hunter, and it's pretty rocking. Um, I'm, I'm not always that into the lyrical content. It's a little like cheesy. It definitely feels like the kind of music that you'd hear at some weird like summer f- music concert that you don't want to be at necessarily. And here's some old redneck band that gets up on stage. But I don't know, they rock it. And it looks so cool. Like, you can't tell me you wouldn't want this a poster of this. Yeah. I, get, it, it, I mean, I don't contest. know if I would now, but maybe as, like, a teenager, <laughs> I think it's cool. I guess it's also weird that it's this badass, like, warrior dude, but then it says Molly Hatchet. Yeah. Um, which is someone I think they knew or maybe it was in a story. Another, again, like Leonard Skinner, you know, no one in the band is named Molly Hatchet. <sighs> have you explored their other album artworks? Cause I just went through like the whole thing and they <laughs> all have like that exact same style of like warrior guys um, on horses. I only know this one and flirting with disaster off the top. Of my like head. they had a album from 2010 called justice. And it's just <laughs> a guy on a horse holding up a giant ax. It looks Whoa, like it could be the nice. sequel to this. And this came out in, you know, <laughs> the same decade. We're I guess, living in. I guess it's pretty easy when you can just dig out of Frank Frazetta's catalog of work. He's yeah. like, let's just look at one of his other paintings from the sixties and use that. Also, I would recommend looking at, if you can spell his name, right. Frank Frazetta's Wikipedia photo. It's pretty intense. It's like a really sweet self-portrait painting that he did of himself, and it's just so cool. Wow. He looks like he looks pissed. He looks pissed. He looks like he is all about the death dealer. Supports everything he does. <laughs> all right, Colin. Uh, what's your number nine? My number nine. I don't know if I have much to say about it. Uh, it's Boxer by the National, um, which is another one where it's just like. It's it's a very good pairing with the music, uh, just because the National were like, I don't know. It's interesting. I started reading this book, um, "Meet Me in the Bathroom," which is about the two thousands like New York rock scene, and like the guys from the National were like around in the early two thousands in New York, like going to Strokes shows and stuff, and they're yeah. just like, man, those guys are so cool why can't we be that cool and it was like the national kind of just like waited it out for like a few years until they like started to like hone their sound and kind of were late bloomers compared to a lot of those other new york bands and i feel like this boxer album cover kind of reflects that like this is a band for adults it's for a, a music for people who are getting married and having kids because the album cover is like it looks like the national i think this photo is actually taken like at their band manager's uh uh wedding and so they're like the wedding band at 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 the guy's wedding and mm. they're just playing in front of a bunch of people just just dancing as as people do <laughs> at the end of a wedding something i've always wondered about this album cover is i can't really see what they're wearing i almost feel like i see some white in the back that almost looks like it's someone's sleeves at first glance so i imagine i imagine they're dressed like the Beatles, like, and when they played in the Cavern Club, <laughs> stuff. I don't think that's how they dress. Yeah, when I mean, you go on further they, inspection, it looks like it's just their normal. I mean, they look fairly formal, but that's kind of how the National always oh, yeah, were. <laughs> but yeah, also if it's a wedding too. Yep, you got you got to be a little bit dressed up. I love that too. Because like, yeah, this is like this is like a weird like almost. I don't know if I'd say like lame, but it's like a weird like classy event. Like it's just there's something about it. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't your average rock band. This is a more sophisticated <laughs> thing. 
This is a more eclectic flavor. Yeah, no, this is, I didn't really, I mean, aside from what, how they're dressed, this is one that when you mentioned it, like I automatically knew, I, I popped in my yep. head. It's very <laughs> memorable, just how it's framed. Like I could probably like kind of draw it, like how it's spaced out and everything. <laughs> I wouldn't get all the details right, but you know, I could definitely describe it to like a police artist, sketch artist. <laughs> if, a, if a crime happened <laughs> in in, the involving this album, if a guy killed someone <laughs> slicing off their head. With a copy of this LP. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's probably their best album cover. Though I'm a big fan of that one with the mirror. Yeah, that one's cool. <laughs> trouble will find me. Yeah, I'm going to look that up real quick. Uh, <laughs> trouble will find me. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? It's like their head's in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, sweet. I saw somebody made one with Legos. <laughs> well, that's fun. Legos. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. No, I love I love that album cover. Um, my number eight. I have like nothing to say. I don't even. I'm not even 100 percent how it happened, and I'm sure you know it. It's Grimes' vision. Uh, Grimes, mm. the electronic rock pop, whatever you want to call her. It's the one that's kind of like a black and white sketch of a skull, a bunch of Japanese writing. There's some weird <laughs> purple on the side. It's all over the place. Yeah. I think she might have done this. I know she did the cover mm. for Art Angels. And that's one of the things I love about Grimes is that she does like everything. She plays like all the instruments. She has all the production. So I wouldn't be surprised if she also did the artwork on this one. Yeah. And I don't know if I like this better than Art Angels. I like the, I'd say they're pretty on par. There's like a lot on each of these albums. But <laughs> for the most part, it's just pretty like chill. There's some sweet laid back synth stuff. And I love her voice and... Yeah, there's some. This is a crazy looking thing. This is like. It's like a screaming skeleton. It's just like a total drug trip. It's really cool. Yeah. I I didn't. Even, I haven't really ever like zoomed up on it. Well, I didn't notice there's like a bow in here and like some weird strands of hair, and that the skull's eyes are diamonds. <laughs> I don't know how you come up with that, but I love it. Um, but yeah, I really don't have much to say about it. Um. I like Grimes. I look forward to her next crazy album cover because they've all been. Oh God, have you ever seen the back album cover of this? No. Oh my God. <laughs> it's some HR Giger horrible mutant man. It looks like a mold of a mutant's head. It's all purple. He's <laughs> like kind of lizard-like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you get that? Uh, Colin, uh, please tell me that your number eight is not something scary. No, I wouldn't say it's scary. Oh, thank God. It's kind of solemn and lonesome, I suppose. Um, that's a, that's scary in a different way. Yeah, like <laughs> am I the only one out here on the road? Uh, it's uh, Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. Um, yeah, I felt like I had to pick a Bruce album just because I love him, and also he's got some very striking images. I mean, Born to Run's like iconic and darkness on the edge of town i like even though it's super simple it's just like him standing in a bedroom but no nebraska's like super evocative and and also another one that's like really tailored to this album which is a very spare uh stripped down acoustic album where a lot of it is it kind of singing about people out on the fringes um i don't know just working everyday lives in in flyover country and 
uh yeah and just, i don't know just like the the bold red font matched with the the black and white skyline staring down an open road it's just it's yeah it's just really potent it's I such feel a like. stark contrast it's like the grayest of grays the reddest of reds it yeah. looks like it's either a really depressing novel about like the dust bowl <laughs> or like which would make sense yep. or like a documentary also probably about the dust bowl <laughs> It's definitely Dust Bowl, really. I can't remember. I know we did that Ghost of Tom Joad. I haven't heard this in a while. Is this a theme? Is this a concept album, or is it more of just this style? Like, is it like a more stripped down thing? It's, it yeah, have like a narrative, right? I wouldn't say it as a narrative. It's just kind of the songs are are similar in that they're a lot darker. I feel like there are multiple songs of this about like guys thinking about killing someone. <laughs> like there's definitely a song in here about thinking about killing someone. Like, there's definitely a song about whoever the guy that the movie Badlands is based on. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um but um yeah I feel like this all the songs have a similar narrative and I know this album's like famous for being recorded on like a four track home recorder device i don't know what the name of it is but like yeah i mean it was a total departure for for bruce considering all his other albums were really big sounding records with the e street band and this was just all acoustic and yeah i think the album cover suits it really well i should really give it another listen because when i first got into bruce Springsteen, i kind of tried to take in all the albums at once and this was definitely one that didn't like jump out to me as much as some of the other ones. Yeah. But I, I feel like now, now that I'm older and more mature, <laughs> I think I can really sink my teeth into this one and just take it out to go on the open road and listen to this one. It's a good idea. Uh, or go to the skies and to space. <laughs> yes, of course. How could I not pick at least one album cover with a spaceship on it? <laughs> I went with Electric Light Orchestra's Out of the Blue, nice. uh, which is also my favorite elect- Electric Light Orchestra album, mainly just because it has Mr. Blue Sky. It's also got Turn to Stone and Living, and um, no, Sweet Talking Woman. So it's got the hits. It is a double album, which is a little much. But it's, you know, like most of their albums, it's big, it's lush, it's all sorts of beautiful sounds. <laughs> and look at that beautiful spaceship. I've always been a big fan of the Electric Light Orchestra spaceship, mainly because they use it in different ways on their album covers. Like on the album Discovery, there's like a guy just holding it like it's really small. So it can change sizes. <laughs> it's not like the Boston ship or something, right? It's always fucking huge. It's like <laughs> this thing is super advanced. And I love that it kind of looks like a big like jukebox or something. I've never mm. been sure. Like it's an it's a very interesting color scheme. I'm not sure why they went with that. Or but it's cool. And on the inside, there's some cool shit. There's some like sweet Star Trek. It looks like behind the scenes of Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> And uh, the artwork was done by Shusei Nagoka, who did a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire album covers. And I didn't uh, know until I uh, checked out checked him out that um, a lot of the Earth, Wind, and Fire albums are really weird, like in terms of the artwork. <laughs> They're always like weird, like like sci-fi Egyptian is how I would describe a lot mm-hmm. of them. So it's, this guy's a very distinct style. Um, but I think this is the best um, that he ever did. I think it's the best ELO album. And it's just pretty. 
so pretty. It's the best shades of red, blue, and yellow <laughs> I've ever seen. When I look at it, I think about like those like Simon games that you press as a <laughs> there kid. You go. Like I, I want to press. That it looks spaceship. like something. I want with jukebox. I like that too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there, it's like uh, how in Close Encounters you have to communicate with the aliens by playing music notes. You have to communicate with this thing by playing Simon. <laughs> <laughs> And if you fuck up, then it then it attacks. I've never really thought about if they're supposed to like if they're supposed to like mean anything. How there's like a, it looks like there's an American, I, I, maybe American or at least a a spaceship, a shuttle from Earth, uh, entering the craft. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that means like it's like the world going to go experience ELO or something. <laughs> you can only see them on their spaceship. I don't know what it means. It's cool. Oh my god, I also see that it's on 8-track. Nice. How does that work? How does a double album work on 8-track? How much can you fit on an 8-track? <laughs> yeah, we should, maybe we should buy some 8-tracks and try to figure out how to play them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd have to track down an 8-track player. Do those, can you like get those not in a car? Uh, I'm I'll sure you could, <laughs> but it definitely seems like that's the only place that he would listen to them. I get such a bad rap. I, I would like to dive into that, but another time. Colin, your number seven. Um, I really wanted to do some sort of Parliament Funkadelic album because they always have the craziest albums. A lot of them are sci-fi themed. I mean, Mothership Connection as a guy like jumping out of a UFO. But I went with uh, Maggot Brain just because it's such a striking yeah, image. I, remember, I can. I, I don't even need. I'll be yeah, it's up, another but. one like you just say the name and you think yeah, of that. So it looks image. like a horror movie poster from Basically, the 1970s. If like a lady was buried alive in some like yeah some exploitation <laughs> movie or something she's just screaming and just like i don't know the the name maggot brain just works so well with that kind of disturbing image and i, I think it also works well with the music just because funkadelic was such a kind of trippy hard-edged but also like really irreverent and and weird <laughs> approach to funk music you know something I give major props to this album cover is I always glance at it and assume that all those little twigs are maggots. That there's maggots everywhere, but I'm not for inspection. It's not, but it, like because of how she's reacting and how it's lit and how the twigs are laid out, <laughs> I feel like it makes it seem way scarier than it is on first glance. Yeah. Like, oh my god, look at oh, wait, what's going on there? So it draws you in like that. That's pretty cool. That's um, I'd love to know what the story behind that was. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where I wonder if there was a story. <laughs> George Clinton was just like, eh, "It's just called a maggot brain, man." <laughs> Sounds good. It to could me. have been. Yeah, there's he not. He seems much... like a guy who just has very strange creative ideas just pop forth from his brain without really thinking about him. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the artwork design designer. It's called the by a group called the Graffitiria. Hmm. And the model on the album cover's name is Barbara Cheeseborough, oh. <laughs> which is an excellent yeah. name. <laughs> I don't actually think I've actually ever heard this album. Mm. It's pretty good. This is okay. What ones have I heard? Sorry, I'm just trying to remember here. I've definitely heard the one with flashlight. I'm a total poser when it comes to 
Pomegranate Funkadelic. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. <laughs> I know they have ridiculous uh, song names that have like Funky Telic versus the Dinosaur Astronaut. Totally. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. And that there's like that guy that like wears a diaper. <laughs> we need to bring that back. Bring back Diaper Man. Diaper Rock. <laughs> oh, that's probably a thing somewhere. It probably is. It's a weird subgenre. A weird subgenre is where my next album would fit nicely into mm-hmm. and i kind of cheated because it's sort of like a compilation album but at the same time it's from a band that had a very confusing discography i feel like i just talked about them like a week ago or a couple weeks ago it's misfits with collection uh two or also known as misfits two it is uh an album uh cover featuring their infamous skeleton dude who you see in pretty much all of their promotional material i found out that's actually um a villain from a 1930s serial called the crimson ghost which i thought was pretty cool i don't know how they got away with that i was i was trying to read into it i actually found an interesting article on linkedin (laughs) didn't even know there were articles on linkedin (laughs) um about the uh long legal battle behind using that skeleton dude and all the misfits merch because they never actually owned the rights to him but like the original studio lost control or something and then it's been a back and forth battle between danzig and jerry only over who owns this image um as for the album it's kind of like a collection of all their eps put onto I guess a more conventional album. It's got like it's got like a, what twenty tracks, but it's thirty one minutes long. <laughs> and what's crazy is when I, when you click through their chronology, like on Wikipedia, there's an album after this just called The Misfits, and it says this is their like or it's it's one of the ones after that. It's like this is their first album. It's like they came out in ninety six. Like everything is so complicated about this band and their releases. All I know is I love the image and the songs are good. They're that kind of weird horror rock. It's got swagger. It's got kind of a crooner style to it. All the songs are like a minute 40. I love it. <laughs> my, really my only problem with The Misfits is I, I've been listening to them for years and I still don't really know if I've really even scratched the surface or how to go about being a Misfits fan when you have such a scattered um, discography. But uh mm. I liked this one quite a bit. Um, I like the one that preceded it as well, but uh, this one has the cooler album cover. So I'm putting Misfits 2 on here. That spooky skeleton dude. The, uh, what did I say his name was? The Crimson Ghost. He's my guy. Um, also, there's a song in here that references the movie THX 1138, which I found kind of funny. It's one of their more noble songs, We Are 138. Kind of sounds like Blitzkrieg pop. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. Watching some Danzig interviews um, recently. I don't know if you know about him, but he's kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> I think I've heard that, but I haven't deep, deep dug too deep into it. I um, saw something where he was on... It's the guitarist from uh, Sex Pistols. Steve Jones, is that his name? Sounds right. Has like a has like a radio show, and he was on it, and yeah. he was talking about, I'm real sick, but I'm taking these pills. I think they're, they're making me sicker. The government's trying to make me more sick. <laughs> Trying to start some sort of uh, kill off the population with getting them sick. Yeah. 
that's how it started. That's how the interview started. <laughs> but I mean, what do you expect? It's an eccentric. It's he's an eccentric guy from an eccentric band. Uh, Colin, you're number six. Um, I really wanted to pick a Roxy music album. I feel like they're always like super cool and always have like really striking like model type ladies oh yeah they're sexy <laughs> yeah but i actually went with one that's not sexy even though i was close to picking siren which has the like uh like fish lady i guess oh, but yeah. i went with instead with avalon because it's got like the weird like warrior dude holding a falcon on his hand just staring over like a lake into like the sunrise and it's just like super epic and I, don't know, I don't even know how you think like this is the album cover but and and this was the one where i'm not sure if it's a painting i think it's a photograph looks like a photograph i think yeah but it seems like it would be a hard one to get like you have to go to trouble of getting a guy to i don't know find some medieval helmet and get a falcon with a little hat and find the perfect lake and i don't know it's just really cool to look at i love the framing and the lighting but i think my favorite thing about it is you're not really sure why he's looking out there or what he's thinking like this could either be like to like one last look because tonight we dine in hell kind of thing <laughs> or it could just be like you know maybe i'm not cut out to be a viking <laughs> <laughs> like i really don't know what they're going for but i kind of love that about it yeah i think it works surprisingly well for this music which is like a softer more contemplative like synthy sound for roxy music it's yeah <laughs> It's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I've never even really listened to them. I don't even know. Are they like new wave? Like, what is Roxy Music supposed to, like? I would how do you say their their early stuff is kind of glammy and maybe like you would call it art pop. I feel like they were pretty influential on a lot of UK punk music, even though I wouldn't say they're that punky. I mean, Brian Ferry definitely has like a crooner vibe to it, but they're they're a little hard to categorize, but I, I feel like, yeah, like arty or glam rock would be how I'd describe them. But this album, they kind of shifted into more synthy, almost like yacht rocky, like adult contemporary, but like I think it's pretty good, even though it's it doesn't really rock, but... The songs on it are good, and I like the the textures and atmospheres of it. I see here someone has labeled them as sophista pop, sophista pop, which I have never heard. Yeah, well, it's appropriate. I would call them sophista pop. Let's see, what are other bands that are sophista pop? Uh, Simply Red, mm. uh, ABC. Is that the band that does Poison Arrow? I don't know. Or is am I thinking of another? You know, don't know. Oh shit! I'm gonna print it to the ABC Wikipedia page. <laughs> Why not? You know, at least I'll always have it handy. And yes, they are the band that did "Shoot That Poison Arrow Through My Heart." You know that song? No, I don't. <laughs> That's a... I think the thing about Savista Pop is you got to be English. I'm pretty sure that's a and, prerequisite. And the, it's got to be the early early '80s. Yeah. 
That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just like contemplative moods. Yep. Um, going, uh, well, staying in England, but cranking it way the fuck up. <laughs> My number five is Judas Priest's British Steel, which is a fucking awesome album cover. <laughs> it is a hand holding a razor blade or something sharp that says Judas Priest on it, and it's like, what are they going to do with that? Are they going to kill you with that? I don't know. It's fucking sweet. So this is art by Roslaw Sazbo, who's the chief art director at CBS Records. This was their big breakout album. I was surprised. Um, before like this year when I started listening to Judas Priest a little more, I was associated them with like a strictly 80s band. This is like their sixth album. They were around for a while before they really kind of found their sound. Yeah. And this kind of teeters on like... Like I'm very picky about the metal i'll listen to like i think for me it usually depends on the vocalist and rob halford is a little bit too like he's almost to the point where i don't like it because i'm not a big fan of "Ah!" kind of vocals but he's just a little under that like it's it's not too like "Ah!" to where i can really enjoy it i mean this has some of their their most um kind of poppy songs too in a way uh, Living After Midnight is a song I became a fan of recently. That doesn't even really sound like a heavy metal song. It just sounds like a fun rock song. Of course, Breaking the Law, which is fucking sweet. I didn't watch the uh, Breaking the Law music video until the other day. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's so. awesome. Great. It's, it's Judas Priest <laughs> driving to a bank, and then they kick down the door, and they're robbing the and they're robbing the bank, but they don't have guns. They're using guitars. Nice. They're pointing guitars at everybody. Like, doo, 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 doo. And everyone's like, oh, like putting their hands to their ears, like, oh, I can't take the rock. <laughs> and then what's weird is they go to this back room and there's some gold bars, and Rob Halford like bends them open <laughs> with his bare hands, and inside this vault i guess Mm -hmm. is a golden record of judas priest like they're stealing the gold record that's how they do it like the only way to get a gold record is by resorting to to unsavory acts but it's like conceptually really confusing and then it like keeps cutting to this security guard in his little security office and he's got like a really like he's got a fake guitar and he's like jamming along like he's all about it that's why he's not going out to help because he's like i like the rocking and they get away with the gold record. Yeah, this is just super rocking record. It's pretty short. It's got those two big songs that I mentioned. It's got another song I really love called Metal God. It's very just straightforward British metal. I feel like I've even seen um, sometimes like uh, in GarageBand, there's like a, a preset called British Steel. That's like if you want that early 80s British metal sound. <laughs> Like Iron Maiden or, or Def Leppard or whatever. Yeah. Or no, Iron Maiden, not Def Leppard. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that early 80s British metal sound, yeah. This is, this, is the, this is the heart of it, man. And they'll come at you with that razor blade. <laughs> You're number five, Colin. Uh Okay, so the ones from here on out are pretty famous okay. albums, unfortunately. But I'll try to make it interesting. Uh, my number five is Let It Be by The Replacements. It's an album cover where, like, it's really iconic, and I've never really thought about how much I like it, but I do like it just because it is so, like, 
it's just the replacements being themselves. Like so many album covers where it's just a band, like they always seem like they're posturing or they're posing or they're trying to look cool or something. And this photo is almost like it's just very off the cuff, like Paul Westerberg looking away and Tommy Stinson's like rubbing his eye and it just looks like a day of just hanging out with the replacements, which just seems like a really fun but maybe more boozy than it should be day and uh yeah they're just sitting on the top of i think it was the stinson's like family home like over the garage and uh i don't know just something about it just like captures the scruffiness and the kind of uh the way the replacements were just always like all right this is us we're the guys we're showing up we're not pretty we're not really that cool but we're just gonna do our thing and we hope you enjoy it (laughs) and we're gonna have some fun too you know i just i just like how this this album cover captures that oh no i love it i definitely thought about this album cover actually i mean this is one of my just favorite albums of all time so i looked at this album many a time it's funny (laughs) because you know it used to be in my mom's cd collection in my basement for so many years as a kid and i'd see that image and i assumed the guy up you know, at the bottom was probably the lead singer Tommy Stinson yeah. he's like looking right at you but he's not you know? <laughs> that shows they didn't even like frame it to where like the lead singer is like in the front or something oh, you see the least of it. his face yeah. he's looking he's in the other direction the other <laughs> it's like is this really the best photo it's like who cares it looks it looks fine it's, yeah. cool. <laughs> it's, it's no frills it's chill it's, it's sweet it's it totally yeah like you're saying it just totally represents who they are what they represented and I love it. And just the fact that they fucking called it Let It Be, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, I don't give a fuck. It's already out called Let It Be. That's why it's funny. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Um, great. Okay. Uh, number four already. Wow, we're just cruising by. Uh, my, this is probably... I don't know if it's the most famous on mine. It's pretty close, though. It's definitely the one that you might see... Like on a daily basis, the most out of all the albums we're talking about, maybe because mm-hmm. it's on a lot of T-shirts, and that yeah. is uh, Joy Division Unknown Pleasures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just saw it in Ready Player One. Yep. <laughs> Olivia Cook's character is wearing this because it's so cool, mm-hmm. and it is a great image. It's uh, I think it's supposed to be like kind of radio pulse waves. Hmm. It's by an artist named Peter Seville. Who also did a lot of the New Order album covers, which are also really cool. Mm-hmm. You did like Power Corruption and Lies. Um, but yeah, I think this is my favorite of his work, and it's my favorite Joy Division album. Not that there's many to choose from, there's two. <laughs> it's funny though, sometimes I feel like I see it and um, the image is like way smaller sometimes. Like sometimes, like, yeah, no, like on, I've seen that. You know, too. like the pattern will be way smaller on it. I like it a little bigger. <laughs> Uh, but I do like this album. It's very stark and minimalist and kind of spooky, and I think this is a, a good representation of them. Uh, it usually doesn't say the name of the album or the band on the cover. You just yeah. look at that and you're like, wow, what was that? I guess I better check that out. <laughs> um, I don't know. How, how do you feel about Joy Division? Do you like Joy Division? I've never really been able to get that into them. I like a few of their songs, definitely, and I feel like they're important. I mean, they brought, I think, punk into a totally darker more introspective direction that's sort of uh i don't i don't know what you would call it but it's just i've never really been sure where they fit in because they don't really remind me a lot of a lot of the other post-punk bands yeah 
I'm. It's tough. They're almost like dark new wave, but with no synths. Yeah. <laughs> I guess their second album had a lot more of that kind of it stuff. Had some synths. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think this album cover is a perfect like representation of it because it's so dark, but you have these pulsating sort of like moments of, of lightness and humanity in this album in, in spite of all the darkness. And I, yeah, it's just a great representation of it. But, uh, serious, serious question now. Uh, Joy Division or New Order? <laughs> I, uh, easily New Order. I like them way better. See, I'm a, funny. I, like I love New Order, but yeah. I, just... I like Joy Division, even though I admit Ian Curtis is a terrible singer. Yeah. I think I just like the music, the scarier music. Yeah, I like the the pop, the pop. I mean, songs. I like, I do like both, <laughs> especially Peter Hook. He's one of my favorite bass players from the '80s, yeah. especially um, on like these early Joy Division recordings where he like he'll like play that bass like super high. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's all over the place you know, in, a, in, a, in the best way. So. Mm-hmm. You ever see that movie about them? Uh, no. Closer. Closer. I think is what it's, called. it's pretty good. Yeah, that's you know that's kind of. Um, Sort of how I got into them was the Killers did the, a cover of sh- their song Shadow Play, and it's yeah. like in that movie, and they did one of those terrible <laughs> music videos where their the band is like integrated into footage of the movie, and it's just really cheesy. But yeah, all sorts of good stuff to check out. It's creepy, but it's good. Colin, you number four. Uh, another <laughs> kind of really iconic one I had to go. It is uh, London Calling, The Clash. I just. <laughs> It's just, uh, you know, an iconic image. And I love the fact that it, it's using the sort of type font and visual style of Elvis Presley's debut album on RCA just because, I don't know, I feel like a big part of punk was sort of like tearing everything down and saying like, you know, the future is unwritten and it's all about... I don't know, (laughs) killing your idols. But I feel like The Clash were like, well, I mean, clearly we're descended from our our rock forebearers and we're paying homage to Elvis. And there's, you know, like that song um, Black Cadillac, which is totally a rockabilly thing. And The Clash were totally pulling from all sorts of different influences some were newish things like reggae which was big at the time or or stuff from the 50s and 60s it it just didn't matter they were ready to to mix in any sort of influence they wanted and and yeah just the image of paul simonon just smashing his bass captures the energy of the clash and and punk rock as a whole too it's just great i'm just hearing you talk about them makes me think are the clash the greatest punk band of all time I've I've always thought I they were. I think they might be, and I think you make a great point the fact that they are willing to draw from so many different kinds of music and influences. Like that's kind of punk rock in a way. Doing like, like even a song like rock, like it's not on this album, but like Rock the Casbah. It's like what other kind of punk band would decide to do that kind of music or that kind of yeah. subject matter? Like that's punk because it's like almost not cool to do that kind of stuff or to do rockabilly covers and stuff like that. Or like. A song I think it's called "The Card Cheat," which is a total like ballady, sort of epic sounding song. That's it almost sounds like an Elton John song or something. <laughs> where it's like, this is not punk, but they're like committing to it, and that's kind of great about it. I think the thing is they weren't super focused on like being cool like a lot of yeah. the other punk bands, but that made them more cool. 
And yeah, and what's cooler than that album cover? I I, I read something that I loved that the uh, photographer who took it didn't even wasn't super crazy about it. It's like it's kind of out of focus, <laughs> and it's like voted by some major publication as the greatest rock photo of all time. And they're like, yeah, can you use? I have some better ones that are more in focus. It's like maybe like this one. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah, rock and roll isn't in focus. No. God, that would be so great if I was transitioning to uh, the band Focus. But their album. The only album cover I've ever seen by them sucks. Uh, but um, I do have a pretty rockin' album for my next pick, and that mm. is the 1976 album Rising by Rainbow. Hmm. Rainbow is the band that um, Richie Blackmore, after he left Deep Purple, started. And this is the band where Dio was the lead singer. And I kind of got into <laughs> Rainbow... Um, like I went through Deep Purple for a while, and I really liked their kind of their 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 main years. I'll call them with Ian Gillen as the lead singer, but then he left, and they got David Coverdale, and he's okay, but it just wasn't the same. So I kind of more gravitated to see what Richie Blackmore went off to do, and that was Rainbow, and this is the second Rainbow album, and this is just it sounds a lot like Deep Purple, honestly. It's super fucking rocking. Richie Blackmore does a lot of like classical guitar solos, and of course Dio has like a super powerful voice. <laughs> and there's some cool organ stuff. There's also some cool like synthesizers that I really appreciate, and uh, I think that's probably best represented in their uh, the big song from this album, which is called "Stargazer," <laughs> uh, which not, not only is it a rocking song, I was looking at like the lyrics and like reading into it. And it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so I, I wasn't aware that Dio, what he brought to the this band, aside from his voice, was he really liked writing about like sorcery and magic. Nice. <laughs> so like this, I'll t- I actually remember the uh, the story behind the song Stargazer, or like the story it tells. I mean, mm-hmm. is about a wizard <laughs> who wants to fly. So he makes every all the people build a tower and build it higher and higher and higher so that he will be high enough to where he can fly <laughs> like that makes any sense and at the end of the song he jumps off the tower and dies yeah, and it has great lines like there's no sun in the shadow of the wizard <laughs> see how he glides why he's lighter than air and that sounds pretty silly but um it's fucking it's hilarious it's great and I haven't even talked about the art. So yeah, if you if you're not familiar with this art, and you probably aren't, it is a fist holding a rainbow over some mountains. It's probably the only time a rainbow has ever looked tough. Is on this album cover, <laughs> and the art is by Ken Kelly, who is weirdly enough the nephew of Frank Frazetta's wife. <laughs> Wow. So how did you dig that up? <laughs> I just I read into it. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was you know, I was trying to learn a little bit. Yep. Um what's also cool about Ken Kelly is he did the artwork for Destroyer and Love Gun. Nice. Which you can tell that's it's the same kind of painting style. Mm-hmm. Uh also Kiss for albums yeah. for those. Of course. Of Kiss, course. Kiss aware as we are. <laughs> and apparently every Man of War album. Nice. And uh, I don't know if you've ever looked up a Man of War album cover. They're all just like the band, but like super painted, super buff. <laughs> They're great. I'm gonna Google Man of War albums, and I, you know, I suggest everyone else check check this out. Google Man of War albums, and you will get just like the same thing pretty much every time. It's always like buff dudes with swords. <laughs> 
Oh, this one's a photo. No way that's them. That's not them. This reminds me of how Spinal Tap did that album in the early 90s where they photoshopped their heads onto like super buff bodies. I bet it was like <laughs> Man of War is like the main band that did that. I prefer the paintings, though. The paintings of the buff bods. Um, but, I mean, those are good, but still. I'm, I'm going to take a rainbow for this one. Uh, but yeah, it's not a long album. It's it's just fun. It's fun stuff. Um, the one after this is pretty good too. And then once the '80s happens, metal changes, and it's not the same for me. Yeah. It just it's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. I'll keep it at that. Okay, Colin, your number three album. How many buff dudes are on it? Uh, <laughs> go zero. Oh. But there are four dudes on it. But I feel like they're pretty. Well, okay. One of them's like in kind of good shape, I feel like, at this point in their career. Okay. Uh, it's another heavy hitter. Uh, who's next by The Who? Roger Daltrey was in decent yeah, he's in shape, good shape. But the other guys are not so much. He's a trout fisherman. He's pulling them out of the water. Trout fisherman? You don't know that about Roger Daltrey? He's like super into trout fishing. Wow. It's like his passion in life. <laughs> Music, acting, trout fishing. Uh, I remember he had that like travel show on the history channel back in the day he's an outdoorsman seems like a yeah outdoorsy worldly dude uh who's next is uh, another one i just connect it with you know one of my favorite albums of all time but it's also a great image for it i think just i don't know it's very striking that monoliths in like a giant landfill it looks like which it definitely makes me think about the fact that Who's Next was originally conceived as uh, this concept album called Lifehouse, which was about this post-apocalyptic world in which music was banned. And (laughs) this image definitely has a a post-apocalyptic feel of like the Who just living in a garbage wasteland, but they found this like one shred of of society (laughs) sitting in the middle of it. But then they just pissed on it because they're rock and rollers and that's what they do. Yeah, I thought like that. <laughs> I have heard, though, that they couldn't, they had trouble making that much piss. So <laughs> it looks like there's a lot of piss. Yeah, on that it's like you're really, you're really making a statement with that much yeah. piss. It's one of those things, like, I wondered, like, they didn't just find it like that, like, right? How do they do that? I have no idea. I mean, it what seems like thing? something you'd have to find, like, I don't think they would do the trouble of transporting it into this. It's just landfill. crazy because there's nothing else around it aside from just gross-looking ground. Yeah. I'd love to see if there's like a wider shot or like a, <laughs> a behind the scenes or I don't know something. It's pretty great. I'm just seeing a bunch of stupid Photoshop ones where they make it the TARDIS and stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, that is such a memorable image. I love it. I don't even know how you come up with that. Yeah. Are you doing some research? I no, I'm just looking at just pictures looking of it, up. and I'm like, well, that's cool. It is cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably should have picked some more memorable ones. I wonder if... I, I There was one that I thought was too iconic that I didn't include, so I'm, I'm curious to see if you'll pick that one. But I don't think out. I will. So you could just tell me what it was. I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait. All right. Okay. Uh, my number two, hey, this one's pretty memorable. I think everyone knows this one. It's uh, Electric Warrior, T-Rex. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> that was my my next one. So, Seriously? Yeah, it was. I fucking love it. Well, let's cover. talk about it together. This yeah. is like if if I had to have like a life size poster of any of these, it would definitely be this Me one. Me too. It's so good. I mean, it just he looks like an electric warrior. Yep. It's super sweet. It's it's just this yellow god, rock <laughs> god with this huge like martial stack. Yep. Mark Boland just consists all black, and it doesn't even say electric warrior. I think sometimes there's, it does, right? Sometimes it's like a stamp or something. Yeah. There's variations. Um, but yeah, for, I like the one that doesn't have it. For the most part, it's just yellow, black. I think this one was done by, I've never been sure how to say it, Hibignosis, mm. which was like an art team that I think they did most of Pink Floyd's album covers and okay. King Crimson, all sorts of, yeah. they did, I, I was looking them up, but they have a huge list of like tons of albums they've done, but this is, I think is one <laughs> of their best it's just a cool photo and it's just a cool effect <laughs> and it's a good album too i mean mambo sun jeepster get it on it's the i think it's the essential t-rex album right maybe not yeah this the slider is good but i think this one's yeah their best i would say and yeah it's it's just one that sticks with you like when you think of like what what does a rock and roller look like he's a guy with a guitar and a giant stack of amps you know in in the darkness of a dark rock club and this is kind of what that evokes it's just yeah it's kind of perfect i love it it helps that it's just a really good album too yeah (laughs) did you know that this has the turtles doing backup vocals on it uh, I've probably heard that before. Because <laughs> you know the two main vocalists from the Turtles, Howard <clears throat> Kaline, Mark, and Mark Volman, also known as Flo and Eddie, after mm-hmm. the Turtles broke up, kind of became studio singers, and they're like on a lot of like Frank Zappa albums, and they're on this, so they're singing on like Get It On. You know, doing, <laughs> that's the Eagles, man. That's the Happy Together guys. That's funny. And of course, produced by Tony Visconti, Bowie's Bowie's bud. Bowie's bud. <laughs> it's just fucking rock. Yeah. So good. Um, I feel bad because I took away your number two. Now what the that was actually my number one. Was your number one? Was my number one. So I could, yeah, I wasn't gonna like wait and be like, "That's my number one," but that is my number one. So oh, I guess that was, so. That was my number two. That was your number one. So I guess I can share my number two, and then you can share your number one. <laughs> I guess so. We went in a weird order now. I I knew I was gonna ruin it, but it's fine. Okay. Your number <laughs> um, two. My number two. Just coming in at the end somehow is uh Miles Davis's Bitches Brew. It's just a crazy I I don't even know, like Afro psychedelia mind trip thing. Just these like I don't know, naked tribal ladies looking out over this like waterfall, but it's also like the beach and it's also like a storm and also some weird, like, flowery amulet thing is on fire. And then there's another lady just sweating. And it says Directions in Music by Miles Davis. It's just a, a crazy cover. And, uh, again, totally representative of the music that's kind of <laughs> just, like, pulling jazz apart. Kind of the way, like, this lady's head's being, like, pulled into the sky. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's it's such a, a strange and, and evocative image 
No, am I looking at the inside too with this other part? Is that the inside? I think I'm guessing that's where you fold it out. Oh, that the wow. back cover that is also the same cooler. thing, looking almost like it's uh, photo negative in a way, but it's also like space on the other side. And these are these these two hands like interlocking in a weird priestess lady. It's uh, yeah, no, it's so cool. It's one of those ones where I just I can't even. Keep, provide any analysis or input yeah i feel really really stupid describing it but it's it's, it's a really fun thing to look at this is one of those albums where like i don't understand the artwork i don't understand the title i don't understand the direction but i love everything about it (laughs) (laughs) and it's got like six songs like 94 minutes it's crazy it's craziness man but that's what's so good about it is it's fucking craziness (laughs) Wow. So All I guess right. we're on to my number yeah. one. Number one, That's John. Crazy. And then I'll tell you which one I thought was too iconic. It yeah. was not. It will not be. It was not on either of our lists, which I was surprised mm-hmm. about because I it's probably like the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my number one. So this goes back to my Barnes and Noble days. So yep. you know, I, I used to work in the music department of Barnes and Noble. And something that we do when we had downtime, and I assume this is probably what people do in a lot of retail jobs, is we do what's called facing, where you kind of take the merch and you make it look nice and not crooked, and you make sure people haven't like ripped anything up. And every time I walk by this album, I'd always like stare at it for like ten <laughs> minutes because it's that cool. And I feel like a lot of people talk about how cool it is. It's, I think it's a little understated. It's not a super flashy choice, but. I'm going with Meriwether Post Pavilion because mm. if I don't know if you're aware of this, I'm sure everyone is. But if you stare at it, it moves. Yeah, I know. It moves. <laughs> and what's crazy is you know because I put this on here, I was um, checking out some Animal Collective footage, and I, I was even just watching like them on David Letterman, and he's holding the, uh, the album cover, and even looking at it on through the video, I'm seeing it move. It's crazy. It's such an awesome optical illusion. Yeah. Of course, he made some crack about like. Uh, you can pick this up at your uh, in your wallpaper department. <laughs> Hi-yo. Um, but it's just so cool. It's so trippy. I love that it's an optical illusion. I don't know why more people don't do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how cool it would have been to see them on that tour, because I'm sure they had this projected behind them, just a bunch of swirling leaves. <laughs> um, the artwork uh, apparently was based on the work of a Japanese psychologist <laughs> named Akiyoshi Kotoka. And it was compiled and packaged by Robert Carmichael of Scene Studio. And this is pretty much like their best album, right? Or at least their most acclaimed album. I, I like it. It's pretty weird. Yeah, I would say it's probably their least weird album that I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like it the best. But I guess it's weird because of the fact that like it's so it's so acclaimed to famous and like they play like songs from it on David Letterman, even though it's not like commercial or anything. I'm yeah. not really sure why this was a break. I mean, it is good, I, but I'm not sure how this rose above and got more into the mainstream. I'm not really sure how that happened. Like, um, how was it a breakout album for I f- them? I feel like the late 2000s were a very arty time for indie rock, and I think Animal Collective. Yeah, that's like kind the height of, of like Arcade Fire being like the main thing. Like Grizzly Bear and and uh, whatever the band was, Dirty Projectors, like that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I feel like Animal Collective kind of <laughs> cashed in on that. Because, yeah, they haven't really sustained that. And then again, they're pretty inconsistent with this band. They kind of just do it when they want to and do their own things. I don't even think Panda Bear lives in America. It lives in, like, Portugal or something. So mm. they're probably not getting together for band practice very often. <laughs> but it's a cool album. I love all the layered vocals. And uh, it's some trippy shit. And it's a trippy album cover. And it's my favorite one to look at. I'm looking at it right now. And I can just watch this. <laughs> I really wish that I experimented more with various kinds of drugs in my life so I could really appreciate this but I'm, I don't really do that Yeah, and but we still got more. We did our list, but we still got we still got more. Um, the album that I'm surprised neither of us talked about that I think is easily the best album of all time, but I thought it was too iconic was Dark Side of the Moon. Oh yeah, I thought it's about it. It's too good, Colin. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's another hypnosis. I think so. I just thought it was. It, it'd be like picking. Um, I don't know, Sergeant Pepper too. You know, there's just certain ones that I like. It's like I didn't want to go quite there. I wanted to go a little weirder. Yeah. But uh, I, I probably number one probably should be. If I made it my honorable honorable mention. It's too good. Yeah. Um, did you have any honorable mentions? I had a few. I know that's not something we talked about. Uh, I almost put Yankee Hotel Foxtrot on it oh, yeah. just because it's really simple, but it it sticks with you. I actually had one that was on my list, and then I forgot to put it on there. It probably should have been my number 10, so I totally messed up there. Kiss Alive. I love that photo. Yeah. But it's not like... It, it, just, <laughs> it just like... It draws me into like, this is a Kiss show. Yeah. This is what it is. I think I like so. it. Even though they have... I'd say for the most part, they had pretty good album covers. Yeah. And this is probably a weird one to choose when they have so many cool paintings. Mm-hmm. Or that one um, with like all the... Jap- Hotter Than Hell with all the Japanese writing on it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, but I like that one. Uh, some other ones I like. I like Black Sabbath's Master of Reality. That weird swirly font. Especially looks cool if you're holding a vinyl record. Mm-hmm. I had Neon Bible. That's just cool neon lights. And Big Star, number one record. I've always liked that, that star, the neon yep. star thing. That's pretty big cool. Star, star. Okay, so another thing we said we do is kind of talk about... Uh, Bad album covers by good artists. Which yeah. is an inter- very interesting concept to me. I know you, I think, looked into this a little more in depth than I did. I kind of just, off the top of my head, thought about a couple. So, um, yeah, what are, I'll just start it off. Like, one um, that I definitely thought of right away, we might even mention in our last podcast, was Bridge Over Troubled Water, or almost every Simon and Gar- Garfunkel <laughs> album. I feel like, or maybe no, Bookends is okay. Yeah. But I feel like all the other ones, it's like they always try to make it look comical. It's like, why are you cutting off Gar- Garfunkel's face? Like, is he, is he going for like an odd couple funny, like, I'm short, he's tall. What? <laughs> What's the deal with that? Like, I don't know why their album covers had to suck so much. Mm-hmm. Don't they? I feel like they have another funny one, don't they? Let me see. Album covers. Maybe that's the only funny one. Ah, uh, no. Well. <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, none of them are cool, but I think that that's the only one that's bad is the one that, that I picked. Yeah. There's not very many to pick from. Mm-hmm. It's like three or four of them. 
What are some of the ones that you were looking up? That are uh, well, there are the two ones we talked about last week, which is Tango in the Night by Fleetwood Mac. Which yeah. looks like a weird 90s. You Like you're saying, it looks like something you put over your textbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know, on the topic of Fleetwood Mac, have you ever seen that album cover? And I also have a Fleetwood Mac at one of mine. That album cover with like the weird ape like goo totally <laughs> i think that's pre like Lindsay buckingham era yeah. though, right what is that album called i'm just no gonna idea. search fleetwood mac monkey it's called um mystery to me and it's just fucking terrible it looks like canadian Ugh. animation or something i hate Gross. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not very good uh, we also talked about dirty work, which is the Rolling oh, Stones yeah, yeah. just laying around on a couch in a bunch of like pink pastel colored suits. Violent, co- violently bright. <laughs> yep. It's terrible. Um, yeah, I actually had another Fleetwood Mac one that wasn't this eight one. That's the deal, Fleetwood oh, Mac, God. and it's their um, their self titled one. I don't really like, hmm. which I think is kind of you know some people be like, hey, I like that. But I've always hated that John McVie is like, dude, the dwarf. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of weird. He's doing the classic, you put your knees down on the ground and put your shoes under your knees. And then they have Mick Fleetwood looking like all really tall, like some weird gentleman. And there's like a weird silver ball. It just looks like some weird throwaway shot from like a Fleeny movie or something. I don't know. It's just bizarre. <laughs> they should have just gone with like a band photo or something. Yeah, it's just... Like I don't look, I wouldn't go into a record store when it's coming out and be like, "Oh, this looks cool." Yeah. <laughs> Especially like when like they're a new band at this point. It's like, don't you want to sell the new Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> it's like, no. Um, Remember that Monkey Cake album? Check out what we got now. So, sorry, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Uh, I guess other. Like good albums with that album cover. Like I don't think "Can't Buy a Thrill" by Steely Dan is very good. It's this weird like lounge art that you'd see in some like shitty dive bar. Yeah, or something. yeah, some diner or something. It's just not very good. Um, that sucks. Uh, another one I don't like is uh, Van Morrison's "His Band and Street Choir," where it's just like this crappy like overlaid image thing and it's just like centered <laughs> weird it just doesn't look good it's at, a... at first glance i didn't notice the robe and i thought he was naked <laughs> <laughs> it is a real me it just looks like my sweet thing yeah it does kind of look like he's naked <laughs> i've never heard this album i've never even seen this image yeah oh it has domino though it's I a good that's album cool. Uh, but you know, not so good. That's just embarrassing. Uh, what other ones? Uh, I guess we're on Kiss. Like I was looking through their discography, trying to find the worst one. I feel like the worst one is Hot in the Shade, which is the Sphinx wearing sunglasses. <laughs> it's like you know you're old and in a rock band, but this is your album cover. <laughs> All right, I have one that is maybe my le- one of my least favorite album covers of all time, and it's crazy because it definitely has like some hits and was a hit record when it came out, and I think you'll know it. It's Aerosmith's "Get a Grip," and if you don't search it, if you don't remember <laughs> it, search it. It's a, uh, 
That's not the one with the cow on it, it's is it? It's the one with the cow on it. <laughs> so it is a gross cow. It's a cow with a Aerosmith tattoo and a it's fucking right. ring on one of the nipples of his udder. <laughs> I forgot And, and what's this. crazy is this was like a... It has a song crazy. This yeah. was a huge hit. It has Living on the Edge, Shut Up and Dance, Crying, and Crazy. And it's 65 minutes long. I don't know there's like a, a vein on the udder. It's disgusting. It's pretty un- That's so gross. Milk comes out of that thing. And, and, and the gross thing is like, get a grip. Because like, yeah, what do you do with udders? You grip them. So what, like, am I going to pull on the ring? Like, it's just disgusting. And it's like, you're... You're back, man. You're like, you're a big band again, and like, this is what you choose to do. <laughs> yep. I was looking at the album cover before this. It's not as bad, but it's pretty great because it's two cars and they're humping each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Pump. Yep. Um. <laughs> damn, Pump. What were they doing? <laughs> They were clean at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, these are all terrible. I don't know. This robot's okay. Yeah. It's a robot doing a Marilyn Monroe thing. And, of course, the the worst album title of all name, Honkin' on, honkin honkin on, on Boat. <laughs> it's just because the 70s Aerosmith stuff is so cool. Yep. And then, uh, I don't know what happened, man. Um. All right, man. That's so many album covers. We could do this all. Yeah, night. I feel like this is already many. pretty long. Uh, so we could we could kind of speed through our right, yesterday and today. Uh, yesterday and today. This is the portion of the podcast where we recommend an older album and a newer album. I will go first. Colin, you've heard me talking about the past couple of days. I have been listening to ACDC's "Who Made Who" nineteen eighty six. not really like an, it's a compilation album basically it has who made who two instrumental tracks and then all the other songs are songs that are on other albums you know it's got like hell's bells and ride on and uh it's because this was just a, basically a soundtrack for the movie maximum overdrive directed by stephen king a movie where trucks and technology decide they are pissed at mankind and rebel i think it also has to do with some sort of meteor that, that powers the trucks and everything to do all this shit and it's uh, you know it's just a good compilation and who made who is just such a good song it's been my my jam for like the past couple of weeks it's funny because like it was not a good movie i did not like it but i was grooving on that soundtrack man it was fucking sweet and it really gave me a lot more respect for acdc because i've never really given them the time of day especially like the latter acdc because i was always of the opinion that bon scott was way better but I do think the songs were just as good, maybe even better during the 80s, the songwriting. And, you know, Brian Johnson is, uh, he's serviceable. He can, he can get up there, man. That's pretty impressive. So, yep. You know, definitely not their best album, but uh, it's a fun one, for mm-hmm. sure. Colin, you're yesterday. I don't have any story behind this one, but, uh, I'm just gonna go with a theme for my yesterday and today. I'm going I'm going country. 
<laughs> after oh, all this rock. Uh, I'm going with uh, Coat of Many Colors, uh, Dolly Parton album, which... She was just one of those artists I'd always wanted to listen to. Um, I've always liked Loretta Lynn um, and Dolly's, you know, very iconic. And I've known about this album too because it's on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums, and it's just it's just great. Like every song, and it's uh, pretty short, to the point. Uh, just. I, I don't know. It, they're just good songs. I have I have no other uh, really analysis. Like, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of more rocking than I would think. It, it definitely feels like a '70s album. Like, I, I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> it's just good songs. That's it. I know nothing about this. I'm like googling it, and I, there's like a movie called Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors as well. I don't know what that I think is. It's based on her life. It's like a TV movie from like 2015. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> but this album is great. How much do you want to bet it was produced for like CMT? Probably was. Oh no, it, was, it, it says uh, NBC. NBC. Huh. Coat of Many Colors. Um, yeah, it's just like was that, was that like Ricky Schroeder or something? That's <laughs> yeah, her dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the the title track is kind of autobiographical about her childhood. So I'm guessing that. I'm not ruining the sound by sharing you this. Uh, it kind of makes me feel lamer for <laughs> yeah for having a pick connected with a Ricky Schroeder made for TV movie, but it's uh it's good. I'm sure it's great. Uh, okay, my today. I didn't really. I've been really listening to a lot of recent stuff, so I'm gonna have to go back like a month or so. Maybe it was less than that. I can't remember. Time yeah. is confusing sometimes. I'm gonna go with MGMT's Little Dark Age. Breathing in the dark, lying on its side. because I'm pretty checked out of MGMT. Yeah. I didn't even know why I sat down to listen to the new album. I was like, it looks short, I guess. I'll check it out. And it was pretty good. And what I liked about it is, you know, the problem with MGMT is they kind of went off into like psychedelia experimentation way off the deep end. It's like, it's a fucking mess. And they're like, we hate our tits. Like, fuck like kids and electric feel. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is our real stuff. It's like this weird shit that no one wants. And they kind of seem like they kind of got an attitude for a while, and it's funny because they you know they've done this album and it's just more like straightforward '80s synth pop music, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really into it. And uh, it's fun stuff. It's like 31 minutes. Have a good time. It's uh, better than mildly pleased, which is surprising to me. Whoa. That's true. I feel like I should give a second shot to that 
Congratulations, Elm. I know you were a big fan of it at the time. You know, I don't know that many people are. I don't really know what the consensus on that is. I feel like it has its, its fans. It's a weird album. But yeah, yeah, I know. It, it was like kind of a commercial flop, I it's guess, funny. compared I, I to the that first one, album. And then I hated the next one. Yeah. It's weird because it seemed like they're still trying to do the same kind of stuff. Like, let's still be weird, weird song lengths, weird topics. But for some reason, that next one was a total piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Though I really like Congratulations. I think I still would. All right. Uh, my Today pick, also a country album, uh, just came out last week. And I, I'm kind of still getting into it, but I know it's probably going to end up being one of my favorite albums of the year. It's uh, Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves. Just coasting, never really going anywhere. Caught up in a web, I was getting kind of used to staying there. And she's, uh, she's definitely one of those country artists that like rides a fine line between country and pop, but she seems like so much better at it than everyone else i've heard that qualifies as as country pop and this like it definitely has like a a kind of a fleetwood mac feel and also like she even has like some like daft punk vocoder like moments of the album which you wouldn't expect and you wouldn't expect it to work as well as it does because the album's not like super electronic or like upbeat or anything it's a really like laid back like easy album like all the songs are clearly like love songs and they have this very kind of warm summery glow to them which is is great considering (laughs) summer's coming up and uh yeah i just look forward to listening to this album driving around in my car as as the weather gets warmer and uh yeah i really like it i'm gonna listen to that last one how many albums is that now I think she has, well, I think she has three that people care about The now. point is I'm behind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like she's one of those, like, kind of country uh, prodigies who started, like, performing when she was, you know, a, a teenager or yeah. whatever. But, like, I don't know, she's, like, our age now, and <laughs> she's making really mature, uh, just sweet, lovely country pop songs is she more of a throwback to like the older cool stuff or is she more of like a the next step like an evolution i think she's kind of both i mean she yeah she definitely clearly is influenced by you know the dolly parts of the world but also uh yeah we'll mix in some more modern influences and sounds yeah I, I wouldn't mind checking that out. There's definitely some country out there that I feel like I might like. It's there. Because there's, there's so much there. of that weird pop, red. it's like redneck pop or something that's yeah. everywhere. It's like, get him a pickup truck, <laughs> going in a small town. Like, I was intrigued recently by like that SNL performance of like Chris Stapleton. It's like, maybe I'd like him. I don't know. He's kind of cool. Yeah. Some of these, there's, some of these, there's a few artists here and there that's like, okay, this is what country should be. <laughs> yeah. It should be rootsy, real meaningful music not stuff about you're getting drunk in your truck (laughs) (laughs) though i understand that's an important part of life yeah especially in the south (laughs) (laughs) you think it's not like they're just getting drunk in their truck alone i don't know what i mean it's a really sad image (laughs) 
Check out my new song, Getting Drunk, getting drunk Alone in My Car, on my new album, Walmart Exclusive. Yep. Ooh, that's fun. So much good music, so much good art. This is a long one, but I hope you liked it. And if you if you did, and if you want to check out more, you can go to iTunes and search Mildly Pleased or Rock Talk. That's R-O-K-K, not R-O-C-K, Rock Talk. And you can find some of our past episodes. You can also spin the wheel and Google us. Maybe we'll pop up. I'm not really sure. I haven't checked to see if you Google Rock Talk if we pop up. Don't You're going to ruin this. You don't, want, look it up. you don't want me to do it right now? Well, because I know it's not going to pop up. It's, uh, yeah, the first... Um, result is the freeze pop song less talk more rock that's a good song <laughs> but you can definitely search mildly pleased and find all our episodes and other podcast stuff there and we hope you had a good time I'll see you next time when we keep it all out of sight under cover of the night Everyone to fight.